Good morning, everybody. How are y'all? Okay, Luke chapter 12. Get your Bibles out. Uh, hey, I just wanted to say thank you guys for being here today. My name is Clayton, the pastor here um, at Central. If you're a guest with us, I'm, I'm excited that uh, you are, you've chosen to, to be here with us. If you're watching online, man, ecstatic about that. Um, thank you for, for connecting with us. We are going to begin a new series, and uh, we want you guys to be able to have the notes and everything, so scan the QR code anywhere you see the screen, and you can follow along um, with today's message. And this series I'm excited about, and we're calling it Happy Camper, okay? So uh, we're calling it Happy Camper because we're going to be talking about something that all of us love, and it is our stuff. Like, we love our stuff, don't we? I mean, every one of us came in here today with things. You've got a purse. You've got pockets full of all the things that are valuable um, to you. You have a car that's out in the parking lot full of things that are yours, and you have a home, and it is full of the things that, that you love. It is, it's our stuff. And honestly, it's everywhere. And sometimes we just need to, to get away from those things. It's the reason my family loves to go camping. And before we moved to Oklahoma a couple years ago, we used to go camping a lot up in Colorado. And one of our favorite places to go to is this place called Fun Valley. And it's, uh, it's an amazing place full of RVs, and it's just a great uh, time for us to, to be able to get away from, from everything that is, is kind of in our life. And so when we go to Fun Valley, I got to, I love to kind of watch people, okay, whether I'm at the airport or at the RV park. I love to watch people and think about where people came from and what, what their life is all about. And people would show up in these big, giant, like, million-dollar RVs, and they would park their giant RVs, and then next to them would be a family just in a, in a tent, you know. And our family was not a tent, but we just had this really simple little travel trailer but something I realized about camping, or at least for us, is that we took all of our stuff with us, you know? I mean, our car was full of things, and our, our travel trailer was just, man, it was packed um, full of all of our stuff, all the things that we need. And I was watching this video, our staff was, and we, we found this funny video we want to show you that kind of is a great illustration of us taking our stuff with us, and it's from a funny show called Parks and Rec. Y'all watch this. All right, I call this wonderful spot. You didn't bring a tent? Well, I don't really go camping ever, Jerry, so I'm not gonna spend $150 on a tent. I'm just gonna sleep on the floor. It's called the ground when it's outside. Whatever. Why, do you guys do this a lot, camping? I've never been before, but I think I'm gonna love it. Why am I gonna love it? Sky Mall. Come check out my tent. I ordered a bunch of crap off Sky Mall. I got my TV, my Xbox, DVD. Awesome bed right there. DJ Roomba's in the mix. Uh, it's like I'm not even camping. This is actually a dog couch, but it's super comfortable. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's my way of camping, right? Um, we go camping to escape from it all, don't we? Um, we escape from, from work. We escape from, from neighbors. <laughs> we escape from the schedules that we have to the the giant to-do list, the, to honestly, to get away from technology and always being plugged in, yet we're always taking something with us. We end up taking a lot of those things um, with us when we're trying to get away. And there's a simple truth this morning that's up on the screen, and it's this. 
We love our stuff, right? I mean, honestly, we do. We love the things that we have. And God knows that. And he cares about you. And I believe he wants to speak some truth and share some truth with you this morning. So your Bible's Luke chapter 12. We're going to read uh, a little story that happened and then a story that Jesus wanted to tell to, to explain the truth that he gave the people many years ago and he's going to give to us today. So Jesus, he's traveling um, from the Sea of Galilee down to Jerusalem. And so he has his posse with him. He's got his disciples, but not only that, but there's, the Bible says there's a crowd full of thousands of people that are following him around and always asking him to teach them, to, to um, heal them. And Jesus is walking around. He's going from town to town. They're following him. And look what happens in verse 13. The Bible says, then someone called from the crowd, okay, had the courage to call out in front of the crowd and says, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. You're like, well, that's, okay, why is that in the Bible? Well, this guy in the middle of this giant crowd decides that he's going to bring up some family conflict in front of everybody, okay? He's going to, it's like social media of today. You know, you put, put all of your family conflict out there so everybody can see it. And evidently there's an inheritance, so that means he has siblings and also means that probably his father has passed away. And one thing I noticed about this is he's not, he's not a mourning. It doesn't seem like he is. He's definitely not at a funeral. He's not with his siblings, and he is, he's not with his, with his family. He's instead trying to find someone in authority who can fix something in his life. And what he wanted was his cut. You know, he wanted his cut from, from his inheritance. And something had switched in this guy's brain from my father just died to, well, how much am I going to get, you know? Like, what's in this for me? Have you ever done that before? Like, it's interesting how quickly our brains can go from one thing to something that's kind of selfish. I think about Thanksgiving that's coming up in a, in a few days, right? And you're going to sit, hopefully, around a table with family and friends and a lot of families, they spend time talking about what they're thankful for. And so you got to go around, and you're like, oh, no, it's my turn, right? And you got to think about what you're thankful for. And you're like, I'm thankful for this and this. And it's usually not things like your stuff, but it's I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful for, for, for Jesus and what he's done for me. And you go around, and you talk, talk this big game, and then the next day is Black Friday. And the next day, you find yourself elbowing people, right? And trying to squeeze your way in or spending the night in front of a store so that you can go and get that TV that you just have to have, right? Or whatever it might be. Isn't that crazy that we can do that? That we can switch so quickly. And that's kind of what this guy did. And so Jesus responds to this guy in the next verse. Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? So Jesus said, hey, man, I'm focused on bigger stuff than, than what's going on right now. I'm, I'm, I'm focused <coughs> on your heart. Focus on your heart. It's like we want Jesus to just take the, the top of the weed in our life, the, the problems in our life. We want him to just take it away so it's not seen anymore. And yet Jesus is saying, i, I got to get down to the root, Right? And when you're taking weeds out, you've got to get down to the root. And Jesus realizes that. So he could have fixed the, the problem for that guy, but it wouldn't have really changed anything in his, in his heart. And so Jesus says this to the guy. He says, can I, 
can I tell you some truth today? And I believe he's saying the same thing to us. That's the beautiful thing about scripture that speaks to all of us. Jesus is saying, hey, can I tell you some truth this morning? You Americans, okay? You Americans in 2022, can I tell you some truth? Here's what he says. He says, beware. Okay? Jesus says, beware. All right, there's a problem. Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Jesus is saying, hey, to this guy, look, you're, the problem isn't your inheritance. The problem is greed. It's the root cause of this. You know what greed is. It's, it's wanting what doesn't belong to you. You know? It's so important. It's so dangerous that it's the 10th commandment. And it is, it's sin of the heart. It's, it's a root issue. And it leads to all sorts of other things like stealing and adultery. Things that are terrible because it's something that you want that's not yours. And you'll go to great lengths to get it. And Jesus wants us to know that, hey, that greed that's inside your heart, it is dangerous. And then he tells us why in the next part of this verse. He says, look, life is not measured by how much you own. He said that to people 2,000 years ago, and it cut deep. But man, for us, that is like a gut punch today, isn't it? Because our culture and our society says, you deserve more, so go get it. You know, make that the pursuit of your life. To get more. And then you know what? You will be happy. And this desire to have more, it's why, it's why scam artists are so success, successful. You guys have heard of a, a Ponzi scheme, haven't you? Ponzi scheme is just, it's fake investments. And it came from this guy named Charles Ponzi. And he was an Italian around, around 1900. And he was an Italian businessman. And he made it over to the United States and he pitched this, like, get-rich-quick scheme to people and said this, hey, if you will invest in me, I will double your money in 90 days. I mean, that is a pretty good deal, okay? And so he got a few suckers who really wanted to double their money. And so he took their money. He didn't invest it. He just spent it all. And then they wanted their money back. And so what he did is he went to another group of investments, round two, and said, hey, these people have already invested in this, in, in this business. If you invest too, you can get on the ground floor. And so more people invested, more money was invested, and he used that money to pay these people off, and then he spent some of it on himself. Then these guys wanted their money, and so he goes to round three, and he does the exact same thing over and over and over again. And in 18 months, he amassed 15 million bucks, okay? You're like, man, that's, that's, that's a lot. It's not, it's not a crazy amount of money. In today's dollars... $265 million in 18 months. In a year and a half, that's how much money he accumulated. He finally gets caught. He's put in jail. And when he dies, he only has $75 to his name. That's his story. Tragic story. And now he has a whole investment fraud scheme named after him, okay? He'll always be known as that, as that guy. But the problem really wasn't his greed. Think about this. The problem was the other people's greed, you know? They wanted to get rich quick. They wanted the pursuit of their life to be about having much. And Jesus warns us something. He warns us that, that there is more to life than having more, you know? Life is more than just having, having more. And I think we know that. Like, we're like, okay, Clayton, I get that. I mean, but we don't live it out. For example, one of the biggest 
Um, the biggest industries in the United States, one of the fastest growing industries is self-storage units. Did y'all know that? Self-storage units. It's a $40 billion um, industry in the United States. And there are 50,000 something around that, 50,000 locations here in this country. And you're like, well, okay, how many, how many is that? Well, if you took all of the Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, Pizza Hut, McDonald's and Wendy's, and combined all of them, there's more self-storage units than that. I'm not talking about individual units. I'm talking about entire businesses. That's crazy. What does that say about us? I think what it's saying is that we have a lot of stuff and that we're addicted to it, right? We are addicted to our things. We need them. We want them. And when something is old, and it's not filling that void in our lives anymore. We want whatever is, is new. I mean, think about when iPhones came out. You remember that? 2007 or something like that? That was crazy, life-changing. A lot of people got uh, the first iPhone. I mean, for those of you who got the first iPhone, how many iPhones have you had since then? You know? It's crazy to think about how we always want more. We always want more. We always want what is new. And here's the deal. Nothing has changed in the last 2,000 years. And so Jesus recognizes that. He knows people's hearts. He knows your heart. And so what he's going to do here is he's going to tell a story. Isn't that awesome about Jesus? He loves to tell stories to help illustrate what he is trying to teach us. And so he tells this story to the crowd, and he's telling it to us today. So let's look at it. Here's what he said. He said, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all of my crops. And so this guy is, he's rich and he has, he has an abundance and he's getting richer and he, he's hungry for more, okay? And his stuff is piling up in areas where he doesn't have room for it anymore. And so it goes on and Jesus tells this story and says, then he said, I know, I'll tear, tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat um, and other goods. And so what is his solution? Self-storage units, okay? Like he went down and, and rented some, some units, okay? He's like, man, I, got, I, I can put all my stuff in these things now. And then the verse, and the, the passage goes on and says this. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, that's always kind of weird. I mean, he's talking to himself, so you know there's a problem, right? So I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. I read that. You know, is that not the definition of the American dream? Isn't it? Get a bunch so you can take it easy. You can eat, drink, and be merry. Jesus continues and says this. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. And who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. This guy was blessed. He had, he had a, the Bible says he had a fertile farm that produced a lot of crops, okay? So money was in the bank. He had a two-car garage. And he had a nice house full of all of his stuff. 
And honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I've just described almost everyone in this room, you know? Probably every single one of us can fit in that category in, in some way. But have you ever stopped and asked yourself, when will I be satisfied? Honestly, when will I be satisfied? Because my life is all about getting more and having more. And I think the lesson here is that when the goal of your life is, is your stuff, when the goal of your life is your investments, when the goal of your life is this, this leisure in life, Jesus says you're a fool. And that's hard to take, right? It's hard, and I think it's a real challenge because today, did you know that you get about 6,000 advertisements that bombard you every single day? 6,000. Think about social media, the football games you're going to watch later on today, the TV you're going to watch, driving down the road. Like, there are advertisements everywhere. There's so many that you don't even realize it. But those advertising, advertisements are always saying, you need more. You need more. Did you know that you need more? Did you know that you need the newest thing? And that is actually going to make you happy. And Jesus says, man, you're a fool. If that is what your life is all about. And can I give you this honest statement today? I think there's a lot of dangers for Christians here in America. But this might be the greatest danger. Is when we, is when we fall in love with our stuff. I believe perhaps the greatest danger for Christians living in America is falling in love with our stuff. And some of you might say, you know, Clayton, that's not me. I mean, I'm just... I'm just trying to get by. The economy's not that, that great. And these people next to me, I mean, they have way more than I do, okay? So I'm, I'm, in, I'm okay. Did you know that every single one of us in this room and every single one of us that is watching online, we are in the richest 5% of the entire world? Put that in perspective. Let that sink in. What that means is if I got 19 people up on this stage and then I brought you on and then I singled you out and said, Look, you are richer than all of these 19 people. That's what every single one of us is like in this room. Now, Jesus, he never condemns being wealthy, okay? He never condemns rich people. He warns them. Because, see, wealth does not equal sin, but when your wealth defines who you are, when your wealth is your love, like it's your treasure, Jesus, he actually he does condemn that. And so here's my question for us today. Is there a better way? Is there, is there something more than chasing after all the things this world says that's what you should be doing? Is there, is there a better way to find like joy um, and, and something to complete us? And Jesus, he gives us the answer. I love how he gives us the answer at the very end of that, that passage. Look at it again. He says this. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. He says, you're a fool if you store up wealth for the wrong reasons. That's what he's saying. Now, here's the deal. It's, it's not bad to store up wealth. It's not bad to store up things. In fact, the Bible talks about that in several different places. There are examples of people who, who did just that, and they were honored for that. Like one of the examples is, is Joseph in Genesis 
chapter 41. So Joseph, he's a grown man. He finds himself in Egypt. He'd been sold into slavery by his, his brothers. Man, that's talk about some family feud, right? And so he, he's sold into slavery, and he works his way up from being a slave. This is like the ultimate success story, right? Working from, from nothing. And all of a sudden, he went, works his way up to being second in command of all of Egypt. He had everything. Let me, let me read just a, a, little, a little bit of it. It's not on the screen here, but I just want to read some of it. Here's, here's kind of some excerpts of the story that happens. It says, And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it cannot be measured. That kind of sounds like the farmer, doesn't it? So what's the difference between these two guys? Because, man, he just amassed everything. It was so much. All of the, the stores were so full that it could not even be measured. It goes on and says, so when the famine had, so there's a reason for him storing up. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph, he opened up all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe over all the earth. And that includes his family back in Canaan, back in the promised land. And so they have to come down to him as well. Later on in the story, it says that the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And so here's what Joseph did. He has this conversation with them. And he, it says he, he gave orders to fill their bags with grain. And not only that, they, had, they wanted to pay like a hefty sum for this, like all their life savings, okay, to be able to buy this grain. And he says this, he says, and, and he, to replace every man's money back in his, in his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. And this was done for them. So he said, you know what, free of charge. I'm not taking your money. You're my family. Now, they didn't know that at the beginning. And it says that, they, they went on the journey, and they recognized and said, at this, their hearts failed them. And they, they turned trembling to one another, and they said this, what is this that God has done for us? They go back to talk to Joseph, and Joseph says, God sent me. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. You see, Joseph, he was not a fool for being smart with his resources. If he had been selfish with his resources, if, it, if he had had sinful purposes for his resources, then he would have been a fool. But instead, the Bible says he was rich towards God. What it's saying here is it's all about, it's all about your heart. Let me just get real personal here. What is the purpose of your paycheck? What is the the purpose of your possessions, of your business, of your 401k, of your retirement. What is the purpose of those things? Are you hoarding that? Are you selfishly saying, this is all about me and my life's goal is to have much? Or are you saying, God, what do you want me to do with that? How do you want me to use that? And I'm not just talking about your money. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your time. Now, honestly, I want you to take home just two statements that I think could be life-changing for you. This is the first one. 
Until God has my stuff, he doesn't have my heart. Is that true? Until God has my stuff, he doesn't have my heart. I think that is a true statement. Because when I give myself to my stuff, it is what wakes me up in the, in the morning. It's what drives me. It's what I think about all the time. It's all about getting more and working hard so I can have money to buy the next big thing. If that is the purpose of your life, like what kind of life is that? Especially if you're a follower of Jesus. He did not die for you so you can have a whole bunch of stuff and live this leisure life. Man, if you actually read the Gospels, it's, it's tough for these disciples. It was not easy. This whole thing about taking up your cross, right, and following him. Those who want to keep their life and preserve their life will lose it. But those who give their life for my sake, they will find it. What it's saying here is that when your heart, when your stuff has your heart, then it it has control of your time and it has control of your money. But when God has your heart, then he has control of your time and your resources. And you know what it actually allows you to have? This is beautiful. It allows you to have margin in your life. You know what margin is, right? Margin is this idea that you can, you've got time to do things. You actually have some extra resources that you don't have a name for. And you're like, God, what would you want to use that for? In fact, this is the second big statement. I think one of the greatest gifts that we can have towards God or give to God is margin. One of the greatest gifts I can give God is margin in my life. Here's what this means. Saying yes to too many things means you have no margin. I mean, think about, think about like your, your budget, your family budget. Here's what happens a lot of times. This happened, you know, in, in my life. As, as you get paid a little bit more, you're like, oh, I can buy more, <laughs> right? I mean, I can, have, I can have a bigger house. I can have a, a better car. And you're like, I've, before that money is even in my bank account, I've already spent it, right? And that's, that's like the American dream. And what Jesus is saying here is, man, maybe there's something bigger for your life. Maybe I've got plans that's more than just that in your life. And honestly, when you say yes to so many things, you're saying no to God. Like you're pre-saying no to God, saying, before you ask me to do anything, God, I've already said no because all my time and all of my resources are already taken up. And when you have no margin, it's difficult to say yes to God. You know what saying yes to God means? Giving generously. It also means serving wholeheartedly. It means meeting people's needs. I'm not even talking about church stuff. I'm talking about when you're at the grocery store and you see that family that's in need. You recognize that that single mom is hurting. Like she's trying to figure out what can I keep in the basket and what do I need to take back. And as believers in Christ, we are called to love them. Not just say we love them, but to show it and show them the love of Christ. But I'm telling you what, if you said yes to so many things that you have no ability to help them, then what you've done is you said no to God and that opportunity. Does that make sense? Saying yes to God is, is having this or embracing this like missional life of wherever you go, every day you wake up, you're like, God, how are you going to use me? How are you going to use my resources? How are you going to use my time? How are you going to use my position? It's not just for me. God, what are you going to do? 
how are you going to change me? How are you going to use me to change other people's life? So how do you say no to the accumulation of stuff? How do you say no to this, like, American dream? Well, I think there is a, a secret. And that secret is the word contentment. <laughs> I don't like that word. In fact, I want you to, to look at something. First Timothy. Paul teaches something to a younger Timothy. I want you to read this with me in, in light of the rich farmer that Jesus is talking about. He says this, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. He's going to describe that. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. You know, the whole, the whole people say it all the time, like, you know, you never see a hearse with a, with a U-Haul behind it or whatever, right? I mean, you, when, when you pass away, when, you're, when your life is done here on this earth, you can't take any of it with you. So it's foolish, right, guys? It's foolish to make the purpose of your life the accumulation of all that stuff, isn't it? Man, I'm preaching to myself right now, right? Yesterday, I was up in my attic getting all the Christmas stuff down, even before Thanksgiving. Thank you. Like, this is a record to my family, okay? You know what? I just, I just paused up there. I just, I was like, look at all this stuff, <laughs> you know? I had boxes of shoes that we don't wear anymore. <laughs> They're up in my attic. <laughs> like, how silly is that? But just in my selfish heart, I'm like, those are my things, right? And I got to keep them. And they, they complete me. And they make me feel better about myself. And that's so, that's so foolish. It's so foolish. <clears throat> Here's what he says. So, in verse 8, so if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich, they fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money, they have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. You see, guys, contentment, it is, it's the special ingredient to giving your heart to God. Because it helps you to say no to things. When you're content, you're like, I don't need that. I don't have to have that. I've got Jesus. So let me finish by saying this. You have a choice to make. Right? Each one of us has a choice to make as to, as to what we're going to give our lives to. And my question for us today is this. My question for myself, my question for my family, my question for each family here is this. Are you going to be like that rich farmer or are you going to be like Joseph? I'm not saying you can't have things. I'm not saying that you can't have wealth. Because here's the deal. God uses wealthy people all the time to change the world. But how are you going to view that stuff? What is the purpose of your life? Is it the accumulation of those things? It is one day I can retire and just have an easy life. Or is it, is it, God, what do you want to do with my life? How do you want to use me, all of me? You have my heart. Got Christmas season's coming, isn't it? Well, I was Clayton talking about this. I'm about to go buy some Christmas presents, right? <laughs> now I know times are tough. I was at the store the other day trying to buy eggs. 
my goodness, eggs were like the cheap breakfast back in the day. They're not cheap anymore. It's expensive. Right now, life is, is difficult. I get that. But man, I wonder if this Christmas you could say, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of content with where I'm at. I don't have to have that thing. Man, I'm, I'm actually kind of content with where I'm at. And you know what, I, I could sell some stuff. And say, God, what, what, could you, what could you do in my life if I had a little bit of margin? I had some more yeses instead of a whole lot of noes towards you, God. What could God do in your life? I want to invite you. I want to invite you. Don't, let's don't stop this conversation. I want to invite you to come back next week. Next week, we're going to talk about some practical ways that you can do that as we finish out 2022 and beyond. Let me pray for you. Father, you're everything we need. But sometimes we don't live that way, and sometimes, honestly, we kind of don't believe that. We, we want to pursue what the world tells us will complete us, but nothing will complete us but a relationship with Jesus. We trust him to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us, to make us new. And Jesus, you promise us that you will give us an abundant life, that we can't even imagine how awesome it will be if we will just say yes to you. And so I pray for anyone in this room has never said yes to you, that they will do that today. They'll go find one of us at the end and, and share that. We can celebrate. And Lord, I, I wonder how many of us need to say no to some things so that we can say yes to you. I pray that families can have that conversation Spouses can have that conversation. Do we have margin in our lives? Do we have enough room with our time and our resources to even ask you, God, what do you want to do with us? How do you want to use us? We love our stuff, God. I pray that we would love you more. We'd say yes to you. pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, they're wrapping it up in the service, but I wanted to let you guys know that we at Central, we're super glad that you were here today. If you need prayer, you can just email us at prayer at cbcawaso.org. And if you're wondering when is a good time to come and be part of the service, come in person, uh, let this be your invitation right now. Uh, we'd love to see your face, or even if you just want to comment something, we'd love to talk to you. And remember, here at Central, we're a church where Jesus changes everything. See you next week.